All right, we're back on a One True Podcast. Uh, alongside me, as normal, is my friend John Warner. Johnny, how are we doing? I see. You doing all right? Yeah. John went and saw the Rolling Stones. Stephen, how about that? Hey, that's great, John. Yeah, that's my dad's favorite band. I don't mean <laughs> that as like an old insult. I also like the Rolling Stones, but uh, that's that's a, that's a good show to go see. Well, yeah, if you want to make an, an, an old reference, the last time I saw them was 40 years ago. <laughs> so it's been a while. Yeah, it's a long time between uh, Rolling Stones concerts. Uh, <laughs> so with us this week is Stephen Simcox. Stephen was uh, at ESPN Central, Central Texas for about five years, uh, now uh, doing the Locked On Horns podcast, covering all things TCU. And yeah, Stephen, appreciate you hopping on with us. Thanks for inviting me. This was great. I have uh, read the Waco trip for a long time, listened or read both of your, your work for a while. So excited to talk some, uh, some Baylor TCU and we got some, some pretty big news this week, so maybe more interesting conversation than normal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great segue because uh, obviously, guys, for the first time in you know twenty plus years, Gary Patterson won't be on the sideline when TCU takes the field this week uh, against those Baylor Bears. Um, you know, even while knowing and understanding that the frogs have been kind of trending in the wrong direction. Um, for the past couple of seasons, I personally was genuinely surprised at this news. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I was shocked, um, especially the timing of it being in season. What did you guys think? Steven, I'll start with you. You uh, obviously follow this pretty closely. Yeah, I was pretty floored. I mean, I was starting to come around to the idea that at the end of the year, they might be able to approach him and say, Hey, could we, gracefully exit here and we'll, you know, we'll take care of you. We'll make sure you're appreciated, but we want to move on or that Gary might even come to the realization. This is not working. I either need to get out or go somewhere else. Uh, but the fact that it happened mid season is, is really shocking. And I mean, I think the, the thing that accelerated this process probably was that Texas tech fired Matt Wells a few weeks ago. And they're obviously, you know, in a, the coaching search right now. Jeremiah Donati said yesterday in a press conference they were ready to open up a search, but they didn't want to do it behind his back, behind his back. So that's why they have the conversation. And I mean, it doesn't shock me. Like you guys know, you guys know Coach Patterson. It does not shock me in the least that they told him, "Hey, we really want you to leave at the end of the season, but we want you to finish the year out." And that he told them basically, "No, like no, thank you. Cut me my check. I'm yeah. out of here." Um, that, that's, that's just who he is. And that's how he's always been. He's, he's always had that chip on his shoulder, but it's disappointing. I mean, I wanted to see him get, you know, his roses at the Kansas game on senior day. I, I wanted to see TCU fans give him a standing ovation on his way out. Um, he's done so much for the program, obviously, but now that's, that's not going to happen. So I, I think this will be fascinating. Fascinating. Like Jerry Kill has been a head coach before. He's not in over his head. But I mean, you guys have seen this before at Baylor. Like when you have a coaching staff that knows they're done at the end of the year, like it's hard to fully engage going on in the present. And I assume it'll be tough for the players too. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, finish out these last couple of games. Yeah, no doubt. John, were you surprised? 
Yeah, like you said, I was surprised by the timing of it. It, it sounded like it, it's been coming, you know, at least for a few weeks because TCU's been struggling. Uh, in the last few years, they haven't been as good as they had been previously under Patterson. I'm just kind of wondering, will, will they put a tarp or some kind of covering over his statue <laughs> the, the rest of the season? Uh, I don't know. How, how's that going to go? It is unusual that a guy with a statue outside the building is uh, getting his pink slip. Yeah. No, it's it's so strange. And the statue thing for, for the university has become kind of a, a running bit now because because of the struggles the last few years. Apparently that was like a donor who really wanted to see that go up before, you know, that, that donor passed away, which is understandable, but that's, that's part of the deal. Like if you're going to have that up there and obviously if you're going to create those expectations as they did, then you have to deal with it. I'm not sure, John, maybe they'll um, have to put like an asterisk in the, in the actual engraving of, <laughs> Hey, this, this guy did a great job. We, we still love him. Uh, but it will be strange to have, somebody else even in an interim role coaching while that's sitting outside of Amon G. Carter. Yeah, you know, to me it's very reminiscent of uh earlier this year, Baylor and Kim Mulkey, a, a marriage that um yeah. you know, while uh rocky at times in terms of just her personality and uh as as Steven said with Gary, I mean uh, someone who I think kind of has a chip on their shoulder. But that was a that was a marriage I think a lot of Baylor fans figured might last forever. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. It might take a while, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kim had a statue someday outside of the Farrell Center or wherever they play in the future. Uh, but to me, it also conjures up images of uh, Mac Brown at Texas. Uh, and I tweeted after it happened, you know, be careful what you wish for TCU. I mean, we saw what, what happened with Texas, uh, and Mac Brown and, and that they, they went through kind of a lull after that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I realized they were, you know, starting to go through a lull with Mac, but it, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a scary thing. Sometimes the, you know, the one, you know, is better than the one you, you know, you might get. So we'll circle back to that. Let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, hey, Bryce, I'm expecting to see Gary's name in the transfer portal any time now. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Good job, John. Uh, <laughs> so at last check, the Bears are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. That was what I uh, saw most recently. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's changed. It changes a lot. Uh, I tend to think this line could be a little bit higher. Um, you got two teams going in different directions. Obviously, now we've got the uh, coaching change on top of all of that. Um, as Steven said, Jerry Kill's not in over his head. He knows how to be a head coach, but it's just it's a lot for the Frogs, I think, to deal with players, you know, uh, to handle. Um, so it is a rivalry game. We know, you know, the old cliche with that, but does this set up as the proverbial trap game for Baylor or you feel like the bears roll pretty easily in this one? I, uh, yeah, I like the bears and this, they're playing so well. Now, of course, the last three wins have been at home. Uh, their last road game, they lost to Oklahoma state and, uh, you know, we'll see how they react on the road, but man, they sure have been building a, a lot of momentum 
And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm kind of thinking with Patterson gone, you know, I think, you know, obviously that, that factor is gone. I, I think he really motivated those guys to play against Baylor. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they're, they're still as motivated playing under Coach Kill, especially after what happened to Gary. Yeah, I think the the thing that has given TCU an advantage the last few years, even though coming into these games, usually they've had around the same record or Baylor or have not been the favorite, is just that Baylor really hasn't had a coherent offensive philosophy in a while. Uh, but that's changed with, with Coach Grimes. Um, they want to run the football. They've turned around this offensive line pretty remarkably in a year's time. So I feel like that's a big advantage because TCU's run defense is not great. They've struggled a lot of the year. Uh, they do have some playmakers on offense, you know, with Zach Evans and Quentin Johnson. Zach's been dealing with – I'm not sure what his availability is as we record this on on Wednesday. I think the only hope for TCU is that they can kind of run the ball and shorten the game. Um, and, yeah, maybe there is some trap game, you know, features here. I think Coach Aranda seems so even keel that he doesn't strike me as, as somebody who's looking ahead to, to OU – in a few weeks, but maybe the players are. Uh, but outside of – I think Baylor wins fairly comfortably, if I'm making a prediction. Outside of, you know, kind of a win-one for the Gipper situation for the Frogs, I don't really see uh, it, them pulling out too many surprises. It's still pretty much the same coaching staff minus Gary Patterson. Um, and they've, they've struggled as of late. I mean, they really struggled against K-State, didn't put up a great performance – uh, besides that uh, fight against Oklahoma where they kind of kept it within two touchdowns for most of the game and a win against Texas Tech, it's been really tough sledding for them in, in Big 12 play so far. Yeah, I think that's astute analysis by both of you. I will also throw this little nugget in there. Baylor hasn't been beaten itself. Uh, one penalty yeah. the last two games is rather incredible, especially for <laughs> those of us who covered the Art Bryles era when uh, – when there was quite a bit of laundry all over the field. <laughs> I don't think Browse really cared about flags that much. <laughs> so, uh, no. it, it's really, it's an incredible stat. I mean, um, no penalties against BYU and uh, one this past week against Texas for Baylor. That's just kind of unheard of. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we, we've both seen earlier in the year, the Bears committed a lot of penalties. You know, there's a lot of sloppy play, but man, they've really cleaned that up. Yeah. Well, so Baylor opens at number 12 in the uh, college football playoff rankings, uh, the first ones of the season. Um John, I don't think we would have predicted that coming into the year. <laughs> I mean, uh, I thought we thought the Bears could be decent, but uh, sitting here at seven and one, especially coming off a two and seven record in Dave Aranda's first year. Um, that said, we know how these uh CFP things go. <laughs> um, is there any path for Baylor, a one loss Baylor team? So I'm saying they got to win out, uh, <laughs> you know, any path for them to get to that CFP final four. I, I would say there would have to be a lot of upsets ahead of them, uh, teams ahead of them. And, uh, gosh, you know, you might have to beat Oklahoma twice. That's going to be really hard. But, yeah, you're right. They'd have to win out, and, and they'd have to have a bunch of teams lose ahead of them. Uh, I think the BYU win definitely helped. Uh, 
as far as a, a really good non-conference win. But, uh, yeah, I would say uh, it's a long shot. Um, yeah, I, I don't really see it happening. Steven? It's an uphill battle. I mean, if you're on the table, you're most likely beating Oklahoma twice, which would be impressive. Uh, and then you're probably in the mix. But, yeah, as John laid out there, there's a lot of upsets. And I, I do feel like the biggest hurdle for everybody outside of the SEC is if we get an Alabama-Georgia SEC title game and Bama wins either because they're just better that day or because mm-hmm. Georgia doesn't have a huge incentive to, you know, win an SEC title and show a lot in that game, um, then half the field's basically taken up. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably have a Big Ten team between Michigan State and Ohio State. Oregon appears to be in the driver's seat right now. Um, and Cincinnati is still a factor, even though it seems like the committee's already told them Hey, thanks for playing, and good luck in whatever New Year's Six bowl game you end up in, even if you go undefeated. But I, I, I don't really see um, a, a realistic path for Baylor. But, hey, if you end up winning all your games from here on out, then you'll have a heck of a case uh, with a good non-conference schedule and only losing one game on the road to Oklahoma State. Yeah, you know, back when uh, Baylor was number five one year in the uh, CFP rankings, uh, actually the very first year of the college football playoff, mm-hmm. um, I don't think they could have gotten in unless they had been undefeated. And I think it's kind of this similar boat. I think they needed to win that game in Stillwater. Uh, and it, let's face it, it's hard to go undefeated. <laughs> uh, the yeah. only uh, team that can win – or can uh, lose a, a game and not really have it affect their ranking at all is Alabama. <laughs> I mean, I'm just <laughs> putting that out there. Right. Uh, you know, I saw a pretty good tweet from Nicole Auerbach, who covers college football on a national level, and she said, um, so what would Alabama's ranking have been had they beaten Texas A&M? The same? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just yeah. like – they just, you know, Alabama's Alabama. Obviously, they, you know, they have won a few games, so some of that reputation is well earned. Let's go back to that uh, TCU coaching search a bit. Um, so, who do you guys feel like are the top candidates for the Frogs? Uh, there have been a lot of names tossed about, um, and uh, as Stephen mentioned earlier, Texas Tech is also in the market for a head coach. Our TCU and Tech kind of targeting the same people. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I feel like the the front runner right now, and I wouldn't have guessed this before they let GP go, but Sonny Dykes at SMU uh, has obviously done a really nice job turning that around. Yesterday, uh, Jeremiah Donati, the athletic director, said they wanted a current head coach. They wanted an offensive-minded guy. So he fits that description. Uh, and, of course, his dad, Spike, was a longtime coach at Texas Tech, so there's some family ties there. I don't know how interested he'll be in, in that job as well. But he's a name that's come up a lot. Uh, Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina is a fun name. He's a good coach. I don't really know what his ties are to the area, obviously. Um, and then Jeff Trailer is, is a guy that just signed the extension at UTSA and was a longtime high school coach. I'm getting the sense he's probably staying in San Antonio for the time being. But I think that's a name to know. And then Billy Napier is the other name that I've seen thrown out at, at Louisiana. But he seems pretty content where he's at. I think he's holding out for an SEC job. So Sonny Dykes, to me, is is the name to watch right now as we're recording this in, in early November. Johnny? 
Yeah, uh, it's funny. Billy Nate prominent pr prominently before Dave Aranda was hired. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think he's probably one of them. It sounds like right now it's kind of the Sonny Dykes sweeps sweepstake between maybe TCU and Tech. And it uh, seems like he's kind of the hottest name out there. Obviously, he had a great year this season with SMU. Uh, yeah, I don't know beyond that, you know, uh, who TCU would, you know, maybe be their second candidate. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've read some of the, you know, stuff that's been out there. And um, I agree with Stephen that that trailer seems like he might stay at San Antonio just uh, just because um they they did give him a pretty good extension and uh control maybe to keep his assistants all together and, and that kind of thing which i mean that's a lot of security for a coach um that said you know i mean uh back to dykes for a second um i feel like had smu been one of the four teams that the big 12 decided to uh you know to pull in that mm -hmm. he might be more prone to to staying in in Dallas uh, on the hilltop, you know, and 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 coach the Mustangs, uh, because SMU would then be a Power Five, you know, school. Um, but SMU was not one of those teams, so I feel like you know, if I'm just guessing, he'll he'll take one of these two jobs, either TCU or Tech. Uh, probably whichever one cuts him a fatter check. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the fact that he does have that tie-in, uh, you know, with his dad having coached at Tech seems like a natural fit. But at the same time, sometimes people don't want to go, you know, follow that sort of legacy. And maybe he wants to kind of create his own at at TCU and you, you would still be in the Metroplex and all that. So, um Steven, I do want to get your take on one other little thing. Um, so I was reading a story from Sam Kahn in The Athletic this week and, uh, you know, going over the TCU uh, change and, and into some of the candidates and stuff. And he mentioned this, and I found this extremely interesting, and I don't necessarily agree with this statement, but I'll get your take on it. Uh, he said that he thought, because of some of the big money donors and the fact that TCU is firmly implanted there in the Metroplex, that TCU may be the most attractive coaching job in the new Big 12. So minus OU, minus Texas. What do you think? I don't think it's that far off. I mean, I feel like you're probably juggling between TCU and Baylor. Um they're very similar schools. Baylor obviously shown a huge commitment of athletics. And I think I would say I might give the edge to BU right now, just because working for Mac road seems like a pretty good thing. If you're good at your job. Uh, and we don't know a whole lot about Jeremiah Donati. He's very new to this gig and he really hasn't made. Uh, but they're both in good areas to recruit. Uh, you know, TCU is in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex which I think that's probably attractive to a coach. And you obviously have talent right there. Um, so that's a, a, an advantage to a certain extent. And is it better than Texas Tech out in, on the west part of the state? I, I think so. Um, you know, Iowa State, Matt Campbell's done a great job, but there's limitations there. I, I think those two, you know, right there on 35 are probably the two best jobs in, in the new look 
conference from a from a football perspective for sure. I don't think you can dismiss Oklahoma State in that conversation. I mean, obviously the sure. Cowboys are a big state school with a you know with a pretty good fan base, and you know they pay Mike Gundy pretty well uh, up there. And honestly, if you're talking about Oklahoma State versus Baylor and TCU, they probably have had more sustained success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've, they've done a pretty good job. I think only missed a bowl game uh, maybe once in Gundy's tenure. I think that was his first year. So, um, you know, they're another one I would probably put in that mix. It was, it, like I said, I just sort of raised an eyebrow at that and was like, I hadn't thought of that, but um, uh, I do agree that Baylor is a pretty attractive job right now, just because of all the things that Steven just said, in, including just their commitment to, you know, winning. And, you know, if, if you do well, they'll pay you and try to keep you around. And, you know, so anyway, hey, Bryce, uh, I, I did want to say that, uh, I think uh, Sonny Dykes is going to take TCU TCU over Tech because he doesn't want to try to top his dad's spike in press conferences uh, at Tech. Uh, he's probably the funniest coach I've ever been around. Really? And, uh, I think that would be impossible to top his one-liners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spike was Spike was pretty dadgum good. Although, John, uh, I'll throw another name out there. Wasn't Shelby Metcalf pretty good? <laughs> Yeah, he kind of meandered a bit. You, you kind of wondered where he was going, but yeah, he was pretty funny. Yeah, of course, we're, we're digging into another sport now. But uh, so finally, Stephen, we have a little tradition here on One True Podcast. Uh, we like to close with a little segment we call Culinary Corner. Uh, and it's not really that highbrow. Um, <laughs> but when John and I visit Fort Worth, we're kind of just old stick in the muds. We always go to Kincaid's uh, and get a nice, juicy burger. Um, we don't really venture too much out of our uh, comfort zone, I guess, on that. Mm-hmm. But let's just pretend that we were not in the mood for a, a Kincaid's hamburger. Where should we go in Fort Worth? Either under the radar or, you know, on the radar. Hey, that's a lot of pretending, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this. And I appreciate Kincaid's is a great choice. So you guys obviously know your food. Um, which, which is a good thing I'd say. So Heim barbecue is really good. Uh, they, they have their original locations in Fort Worth. They also have locations in Dallas now, but they're famous for bacon burnt ends. Like that would be Ooh, my yes. recommendation. Yeah. If you're going to go, if you're going to go there, um, you know, Tex-Mex wise, Joe T Garcia's downtown. Yeah. Great. That's an Simple old favorite. Menu, really, really good. Uh, enchiladas Olay is really, really good as well. Um, and then I'll cheat a little bit because you told me in the in the description you're like you don't want a burger, but there's a place going towards Seventh Street called Rodeo Goat, and it's kind of like bar food, so they have more options than burgers, but burgers there are really really good as well. Mm. Dang, wow. he's a great source. Yes, we got to write these them down. Off. I'm glad I recorded the podcast because we can go back and reference this later. This is uh, this I'm is impressed, the, man. This is the need to know information. Honestly, this That's is right. why we do this. Well, Stephen uh, brought it in that last part. Yeah, I, I saw you mentioned Hind Barbecue. I saw weren't they on that Texas Monthly barbecue list? And and that bacon burnt ends that sounds amazing. They were, yeah, they've really exploded in the past like five or six years, uh, and they're they're a, a fun place to go. So 
yeah, they made the Texas monthly list. I don't know exactly where they were on it, but I know they were there. So that's always a good recommendation or a, a good referral. Yeah. Hey, Bryce, we, we could leave like at 5 a.m. on Saturday and <laughs> yeah. get in line there like at 630 and, you know, be ready for when they open. Yeah, you know, sleep, food, we're always trying to balance these things. Uh, by the way, we really, what we really need to be doing is uh, reaching out to some of these places and saying, look at these nice shout outs we give you. Where's That's our right. sponsorship money? Get that sponsorship. Yeah. Some or at least a free burger. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't get this kind of publicity just anywhere. uh yes good stuff all right well uh steven thanks for coming on and and sharing your expertise we certainly appreciate it and uh you know looking forward to uh, you know obviously check out uh hooked on no wait that's locked Locked, yeah i thought it's a hooked on that's that's a horn thing locked (laughs) on horn locked on frogs Ugh. Where, where can we find that? Wherever you get your podcasts? Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm at SimcockSteve, and I, I post the show every day. And then anywhere you, you listen to podcasts, Locked on Horn Frogs, just search it, and, and you can find it pretty easily. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, thanks Kevin. Kat.